Welcome to BIB Daily, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. This week, our podcast is examining the changing nature of work, its dynamics and challenges in the pandemic era, and how employers and employees are adapting to this new normal. Our series is brought to you by the professional services firm Deloitte, by the workers' compensation organization WorkSafe BC, and by the law firm Harris & Company. We've looked this week at how businesses can prepare their workplaces properly to return, at how we maintain the trust relationship there and enhance resilience in that organization, and the legal requirements of employers in this period. Today, we want to take a look at the evolving workplace culture, how we encourage the best dynamic in the workplace as we open businesses. And for this, we've turned to a regular contributor to our podcast, Rocky Ozaki, who's the founder of Now of Work. Good to have you with us. Hey, Kirk, good to see you again. Yeah, good to see people again, isn't it? I mean, isn't, that, isn't that just the way? Um, you know, it's, it's getting together with people that's the problem, Rocky. I mean, yeah. it, so we've got a permanent situation, it appears, of remote work. Mm-hmm. And so what are you counseling businesses to, to think about as they, as they lurch into this at times? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you started, you kicked it off properly is that this is probably going to be in most people's estimations, at least another 12 to 18 months. You know, I say, I think most of our clients and people I talk to are sort of using this vaccine availability broadly available as their horizon. Mm -hmm. So if you believe that to be true, yeah, this is going to be the next normal for at least another year or so. And so, you know, what we're having to coach companies through is that uh, this is number one, I guess, is the honeymoon's kind of over. Right. So, so many stories are like, actually, we were more productive than we thought we were going to be. And oh my gosh, it didn't take a year to go remote. It only took us a week to get our IT set up. And so there's all these successes, but the honeymoon is ending. And Mm -hmm. so now companies are starting to say, how do we maintain that social component that we actually need more than we thought? How are we maintaining collaboration, innovation, and and productivity through that? And so that's a lot of the work that we're doing now. I suppose uh, the, the central question is, can you do that? in a, a video-only type of engagement? I'm not convinced. I think that uh, fundamental to people is this, this, this social aspect where we need to be around people. There's serendipitous collisions that happen, particularly in modern companies who are big on innovation. In this rapidly changing world, by the way, we all need to be innovative. And so you lose a little bit of that the, the unexpected, those pass-by conversations that normally would happen in person. So are there stop gaps and, and solutions? Absolutely. But do I think that this, can, this is going to be the way we work forever away from each other? I don't think so. So how do you make the best of it? Yeah. So one thing for sure is you got to be, you got to embrace it, right? Like this is our reality. And so if Zoom is your thing or whatever video app you're using, there are all these little tricks. Like I found actually, Kirk, some simple things like playing music before a, uh, a meeting on Zoom actually sets the tone right away, ensuring that you're getting constant feedback and you're making playing music. Oh yeah. It's fascinating. <clears throat> it's like that, that uh, your first impression, mm-hmm. you know, all these Zoom calls that we join, what normally happens? We all sit there, there's that awkward silence, you're kind of waiting around, who's gonna start and, and what do I do? Do I turn my video on or off? But what would happen if you did a simple thing like played some music in the background? 
What if yeah. you had a couple of poll questions? And so these are really tactical, but I think they're real. I think that if you want to survive, you've got to start thinking about the human experience in the virtual world, which starts with that first impression. And but I don't want to have that bad music that I, I've gotten. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 your culture. Yeah, okay. So no, the, the yeah. better kind of music, is that what you're saying? Yeah, and know the, the intent of the meeting. If it's an upbeat innovation session, get something upbeat. So I don't want to get too tactical, but that's something that really that has struck me as actually being quite powerful, as well as I was mentioning, taking regular breaks, getting feedback regularly. And so when you start to use Zoom with other tools, like there's, you know, I don't want to promote any particular company, but there's a lot of great collaboration tools online. Mm -hmm. And so instead of just saying, Kirk, what's your opinion? What if you started to draw from some of these collaboration tools where people are actually engaging? So maybe it's on a sticky note, but it's a card that they're putting online and they're seeing what other people are doing. They're moving cards around and innovating. And so I think leveraging technology and some of the great apps out there uh, help to facilitate that social component we're missing. Yeah. I mean, obviously meetings uh, in person, you, you, you basically take a look at the body language of people in a room. Mm -hmm. uh, you can almost get a sense of the energy level in a real hurry. You can, you can sense if something is going over well as an idea, not going over well as an idea. What, what, are you, what are you helping clients understand about how that translates into this two-dimensional, visual-only type of relationship? Yeah, so again, tactically, a gallery view is super important if you're using any app field. So you just want to say, listen, these are rules of engagement. If we're on a meeting, then uh, let's all see each other because body language does matter. And so on that point, you know, I don't, it works for me anyway, Kirk, but I will often do in my meeting simple things like every five minutes we're on topic. Hey, can we just get a thumbs up if you guys are on track? You know, thumbs up. Or, or has this been terrible? You know, give me a thumb check. And then if I see a bunch of these, then what does that tell me? Then maybe yeah. I need to stomp and reiterate. But if I get a bunch of thumbs up, you know, then I say, okay, I can move on. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely, this two-dimensional thing, you're going to have to, to acknowledge it. Like I said, it all comes down to just embracing and, and acknowledging the elephant in the room. Uh, there are ways to make them effective, but you've got to change some of your habits, uh, you know, in this virtual world. And no differently than when you have a meeting of some sort in person. When people aren't talking, it's incumbent on whoever is chairing Oh, or even, yeah. or even uh, those participating to ask each other to weigh in, right? Yes, and this is also why I love breakouts. Instead of having one-way dialogue, break them out. Have have a talk about it in your smaller groups, and then come back with your questions that you all align to. Uh, and then you, we hear a lot about the introvert, which I kind of dispel a lot of what they suggest. But if they're not going to speak up, you know, should we be proactively saying, "Hey, Rocky, what do you think?" knowing that I'm not the one who's normally going to speak up, I'm okay with that. But I really think the breakouts, taking big groups, breaking them into smaller groups, having them sort of debate and opine with their opinions, and then coming back to the, to the broader meeting is helpful. And by the way, when I think of meetings, Kirk, I hope anyone listening here has realized all their meetings were probably double or, you know, two thirds too long as they should have been when they were in person. Yeah. I, I'll, uh, I'll vouch for that. On the other hand, Rocky, when I'm connecting with people, on Zoom, I feel like I've got to spend the first 15 minutes just catching up on their lives because oh. I'm not seeing them in person. Right. So, so I'm, 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 you know, I'm stuck on this one. Uh, it really is becoming a bit of a mess. Um, now, when it comes to the actual um, integration of this technology into then the decision-making of a company, because, mm -hmm. again, uh, 
many decisions are made by the boss in a corner office kind of thing. In some cases, they're made by a team, you know, on the floor. Um, what's emerging as, as decent decision-making protocol now in this new era so that it doesn't become punted over to the boss? It doesn't get over to a team that doesn't then talk to other people. How, do you, how are we making this work? So that's a really interesting question too, because I feel that most meetings were dysfunctional previously. We went into meetings, every meeting was structured the same way. There was brainstorming or decision-making or sharing, whatever it was. And so what I'm finding, Kirk, is that at least success I've seen with our clients is that we push them to on pre-work. So this is one of the failures that most organizations didn't do. You went to a meeting without doing proper pre-work. And so we said it was incumbent upon all of you because this was on, going to be on video and this four-hour meeting, this decision-making we're going to usually do, we're going to make it an hour for starters. But if you don't do the pre-work, you won't be ready. So in some ways, I think it's a real gift so that you're actually coming prepared. So we applied this. We've been doing a lot of COVID strategic planning for organizations and the longest we've gone in, in authoring multiple scenarios for their business in this next six to 12 months has been four hours. Wow. And so, but that's only because we did pre-work. We did a bunch of things that you need to read this, you need to opine it here, you need to vote on this. And so when we get together, it's actually about what are all the things we agree to? Done. Now, what are the things that we need to still debate? And wow, do those meetings shrink fast? Mm. So one of the things that, you can often like about any meeting is that it's a bit of a safe place to have these discussions, right? Mm -hmm. and, and there's no, as they say, no, no dumb idea kind of thing. But uh, obviously these technologies provide us the opportunity to record. Mm -hmm. what, what, what's your sense of whether we ought to be recording? <laughs> oh, because yeah. look, on the other hand, it, at least you have a, a record of what was done. You don't have any dispute over what was said. But, but it, you know, should we be recording these? I, I don't know. So when my experience, so I'm laughing because I've actually tested this with, with a client. And when we didn't record, it was pretty free-flowing. Now, granted, this organization had a really leadership team that could easily debate, right, and dissent. The minute we said we're recording, not be, for no other reason that, hey, note taken, we had a note taker, how about we just record it? It was so evident, Kirk, that people did not opine as they would before. Sure. So I don't have a solution for it, but you're bang on that that is something that it's like, it's anything, it's like social media. The minute you put it out there, it's out there for everyone yeah. to see. And so I don't have an answer for that, Kirk, but it's absolutely something that is, that I'm seeing, like, you know, really be an impediment for some it, organizations. It's no different than when, you know, we've, we've tried at times over the years to record our news decision-making uh, uh, meetings. People clam up or they yeah. say the most, perfected things and they don't really speak their minds. Yeah. So that gives the, gives rise to the issue of do people speak their minds in the same way in video in, in this kind of setting or, or are you noticing anything yet where there is a little bit more reticence, reflection, a little less freewheeling nature of it? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I have no science to back this, but I, I'm really opposed to, to putting like generational differences. I think we're all just people. We just, the world has changed for people in different generations, but I am seeing that. I do find that there's a certain threshold or certain age and under who are more willing to be vulnerable, be in person, but guess what? 
they have been doing FaceTiming for five years or however long the astronaut. They've been on video with their friends all through growing up and going through school in their early careers. And so it's a little more natural of a way of communicating. For a different generation, or forget about generation again, for people who have not used video conferencing before or any kind of in a social context, this is new. And so I don't see as any different than, than any other technology that's come out is that there's going to be a period in which people are going to be cautious. And what I'm hoping it is, is that as become, this becomes the next normal, that you're more comfortable uh, in being yourself again. But there's no question there are certain demographics that are still having to get socialized with this idea of being vulnerable on video. Are we ever going to go back to the phone call? Oh, I think so. Really? Just that <laughs> phone call? Oh, well, an audio phone call. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, well, yeah, some, so this is my, okay. I don't want to go off to a bunch of a tangent, right? But this is my fear is that the, the paradigm of work was broken. You know, I've been preaching about this forever, right? Mm -hmm. And now there's just been a sort of unfreezing of organizations to realize that yes, the old industrial way of work doesn't work and we need to change. So from a habit, some sort of like behavioral science perspective, habit discontinuity says when your life has been turned upside down, you're more likely to change your habits. Organizations have done that. But what's going to happen when the vaccine comes? So this is my fear. In your personal life, when a, when a crisis happens, whatever it is, you change your habits because you're, maybe a, a, your father dies of, of cancer and you, of, of lung cancer and you smoke, you stop smoking for a month. But then what happens? you go back to your old behavior. It's like this human nature thing. So when I, when I say probably, Kirk, it's not that I think that the phone has utility. I don't have extreme confidence that humans generally aren't going to go back to comfort in the old ways once oh. this pandemic has passed. Like how much pain do we have to go through to change forever? Mm. And that's still unknown. But mm. I'm, I'm, the companies that don't will lose for sure. That's what I would say. But there are going to be many who fall back to the phone and the old way of working and the pace that they used to do and all these other old ways of working. I'm convinced many are going to go back to that. Can we just get rid of the fax machine of nothing else? Like to... <laughs> I, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we still have a few of them around. Um, oh my gosh. But, but it is, uh, it's interesting that you, you say that because I've heard so many say also, why didn't we think of doing this before? <clears throat> right? Why the pain, yeah, the pain wasn't big enough. They were successful despite and in a lot of cases, like, so I'm going to pick on the enterprise. And so they had a big balance sheet. They were successful. There was not enough pain. These startups were just sort of a nuisance. And the startup and scale-up world is how all companies are going to be operating. And it's proven all through this pandemic, the pace, the technology adoption, the way you're embracing your, your customers and customer and human centricity. This is stuff that's not new to modern and technology companies, not just tech, by the way, but modern companies. These enterprises didn't have to worry about it. And so it didn't matter what we preached about exponential technologies or changing demographics or sharing economy, they were fine. Well, guess what it took? A pandemic. And that's the pain when it hit the balance sheet, when it hits the shareholders, when it hits, you know, all these other key indicators and their, and, and their scorecard items, Kirk, now they had to listen. Hmm. Okay. And so there just wasn't enough pain before. Yeah. So now we're in this phase and I think you've called it correctly. It's a post honeymoon phase around all of this. Uh, and a lot of places are beginning to bring people back to some degree. And, you know, and, and I think there's some experiences that are actually being beneficial in all of this. People are, of course, reclaiming a little bit of that old dynamic that they had in the office, that old, you know, place in the workplace that people really so cherish mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, how are you counseling companies to approach this period to, um, to not be 
uh, too dramatic, not be too bold, not to yeah. unwind too much of what's going on, because of course we're still in the midst of all of this. Mm -hmm. what's, what's your counsel about how much is enough to bring people back in at times? So I would say number one, do not copy anyone else. You have to know your business. You have to know the threshold of, uh, of risk that your team members have. I think you got to get really personal and really human with your team members and they've got to be part of the solution. And so instead of going out there and saying, here is our plan, what do you think? And you know, who's in? How about just allowing your team members to help to co-author that? You know, what are your thresholds? What might work for you? I think that you've got to lead with a really human approach to this and then give them the confidence through great communication, great transparency. And next to humanization, by the way, is that safety component. It seems so obvious, but have you factored the elevator? Have you factored one-way traffic in your office? Have you factored how often you're cleaning? Have you factored rules? You know, there was this really interesting, I'm sure you've seen it. There is someone came up with the, the, the wristbands. Did you mm -hmm. see this, the red, yellow, and green? Yeah. Like that's a great indicator. It's like it gives team members confidence to know that they all have a shared language. If I've got a red wristband on, that means please respect my distance. I'm still cautious. Keep your six feet. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's not just for people. It, it averts people having to wear masks as a bit of a sign to people that, that they want a little bit of their space. Or be afraid to say that I'm a little bit more cautious than others, right? Like I have that problem in my social sphere. So anyway, when you get back to the work, what I'm suggesting is that take a human approach, lead with transparency and communication, co-author it. And of course the safety piece has to be number one over anything else. Yeah. I'm asking people at times as we talk to them uh, daily here on a podcast about what surprised them the most. And so let, let's conclude with that. Mm -hmm. What is, what has surprised you the most, Rocky, in this period? Oh, I, gosh, what is, you know, part of me want to say I'm surprised how fast everyone moved, but I'm not because I've seen it happen in modern companies. I, I guess I'm surprised, actually, and I'm going to take a really Vancouver and BC lens. I'm surprised how resilient that we've been and how, uh, you know, we follow the orders. I think that you know, we've got a great leader behind us coaching us on, on what we should be and shouldn't be doing. Um, and, you know, she's, she's, she sort of led the way. And I've, I've been super surprised, to be honest, because of the great weather we had in the spring of how well at least people I saw abided by the directions and kept their distance and et cetera. So I gave me a renewed sense of humanity and how we can work together as a community. I, I hate to say it, but I was surprised, pleasantly surprised by that. At least in British Columbia, Rocky. At least exactly in British Columbia. That's what my lens, right, <laughs> in this area. Sure. So, yeah, so that, was, that would be my biggest takeaway, yeah. Well, good seeing you. Thanks for the conversation. Good to catch up. Well, Kirk, great seeing you again. Thanks for having me. Rocky Ozaki is the founder of Now, now Work, and uh, we'll be uh, talking to him, I think, in the weeks to come with a lot of things. Um, you've been watching BIV Daily. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. Thanks a lot for watching.